Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 39 of the Rabbit Weasel podcast. And it is time to cut the out the cancer because we are talking about malignant. Okay, uh, I'm Jared, as always, your host. I am here with my brother, Justin. Hi, Justin. What are you saying? I feel like I needed a trigger warning for you leading with that. Uh, this was not uh, this was not in my notes. And cutting out the cancer is uh, woo, is a is a. Uh, <laughs> How are you doing today, Justin? Man, I'm doing pretty well. Always happy to be here, and uh, pretty excited to talk about malignant. This is one of me, uh, Mia's favorites, and it's really fucking scary. Mm. Good. So, Justin, if anybody hasn't, uh, if you're new to the podcast, Justin is my brother. What's and up? also me. joining me is his wife, making that her my sister-in-law, Mia. Mia, how are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to talk about the, about Malignant as well. Good. Your pick? Yes. You should be excited. <laughs> yeah, as I was just, this is your pick. So uh, why did you pick this movie, Mia? Cool. So um, I like uh, director James Wan. I've always liked a lot of his um, movies that he's directed and produced. And I had seen like a uh, like a critics review just of like the movie of just like not like with anything with spoilers, just kind of like what their thoughts were. And the review was like it just intrigued me because. It's like something no one had seen before and you don't expect the twist. And it was just a lot, there was a lot of chatter on this movie and I really wanted to see it. And I was not disappointed. It's great. So obviously that's a pretty positive review. Do you, you think it's a scary movie? Do I think it's a scary movie? There are parts of it that are very creepy visually. It's uh, scary. A little frightening, yeah. Uh, is it like, would it give me nightmares? Probably not. I think the, just the twist and the um, prosthetics and just it, that, that's amazing. All of it was too was worth it. We watched it with Faith while she was visiting us, our, uh, our uh, helpful producer. And her face at the big reveal is like, in real time it was worth everything it was worth picking this movie out it was worth re-watching it her face with the big reveal oh my gosh it was so yeah there's some good twists and turns in here and let's just go ahead and say uh this is a very uh this movie just came out last year so we'll go ahead and have spoiler warnings up and in the air so if you're if you haven't seen the movie yet uh, this is another one of those films that uh, you shouldn't have anything spoiled for you. Just just watch it. Just go watch it. Enjoy the ride. Kind of like when we talked about uh, Cabin in the Woods. You know, if you know what's coming, it's not going to be as fun. So spoiler warnings are up in the air. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, Justin, well, so first let me ask, um, did you did you both see this when it was neat? Well, it's still pretty new. Did you see it when it first came out? saw it i think yeah when it was doing its initial run on streaming services uh-huh so um and justin i guess you've pretty much already said what you thought you'd like it for the most part yeah i was uh i yeah i'm a big fan uh i'm with me james wan's great i i didn't remember that uh, he gave us saw as we were talking about earlier 
And yeah, this movie reminds me a lot of Cabin in the Woods now that you say that. It's like playing up some tropes and you're like, okay, I think I know what I'm doing here. And actually, we had this conversation with Faith where she like turned it off because the first time she went to watch it because the tropes were like too much for her. <laughs> um, I was like, what? You have to finish it. Um, and so I think it does a nice job of like playing up some tropes we've seen, doing a good job with it, keeping you kind of guessing a little bit. And then wham, I mean, it just like smacks you in the face and it's, it's really creepy and it's really well done. And I'm very glad we're talking about it. Yeah. So just a little bit of background information as we, before we get started here, uh, this is, as we've already said, by James Wan, the guy behind the Saw and uh, Conjuring franchises. Um, so Insidious, um, Annabelle, The Nun. Uh, he also did one of the Fast and Furious movies, I think, the Aquaman movies. So this guy, he's, he's a pretty big shot at this point, you know, a money-making machine, uh, which is great because that's probably the only way he could get a movie like this made. <laughs> you know, something this crazy and out there. Um, I think that's why the thing I like most about this movie is it is for a Hollywood big budget film. It really is so different. And there's a lot of stuff you don't expect in uh, this this type of production. So it's a lot of fun. Um, now, I think this film, well, I guess I, for me, it was the same as Mia. There was a lot of discussion about this film online and the horror uh, message boards and stuff like that. So usually I, I avoid new things that become a, such a huge craze, but this one I, I jumped on to give it a try. Uh, all I knew was that um, people kept mentioning Basket Case, that the director must have been influenced by Basket Case. Have you guys seen that by any chance yet, Frank Kennenlauter? Okay. Um, when you see that movie one day, you'll understand. We'll have to get to that one. <laughs> but the people who have seen Basket Case, you'll know what I'm talking about. Basket Case is about, okay, remember, we already have the spoiler warning up in the air. So if you're still listening, it's your fault. Basket mm -hmm. Case is about a kid who has a conjoined twin and he's separated at birth, um, but he keeps his twin brother in a basket. And it's like a monstrous thing. And then it comes out and kills all the people that separated them as children. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, you kind of see some similarities there. So I think that was probably an influence. I haven't read any interviews to see what was, but another big one I think is The Ring. I think there's a lot of The Ring in this movie. Uh, as we're talking about it, you'll see. Did you guys pick up on that or is that just me? Only in the structure of the story, I guess. It has some of the like people running around trying to figure it out kind of thing. Um, that was that was what I thought of anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that in there. We'll talk about it some as we go. Um, all right, yeah, so all I knew was that someone had heard people say that the movie was like Basket Case, which <laughs> if a mainstream Hollywood movie comes out, people say, oh, it's like Basket Case. I, I'm very curious to see what they're talking about and that it does a complete 180 and goes completely insane. Uh, at the end not a complete 180 but it takes a big turn and goes crazy so all right let's jump into malignant all right it starts in a long long time ago the year of 1993 watch, um, watch yourself with that lady <laughs> we're at you might have uh, been three but some of us were older than that <laughs> yeah 
1993. Um, we're at a, how would you describe this place where we're at? Where does the movie open? It's like, um, well, it's like a, like an old school, like it has the like insane asylum vibe to it. Yeah. It's not, it's uh, they have a different term for it. I think in the movie. Yeah. We don't really know so much. I don't think it tells us right at the beginning, uh, but we find out later it's, um, uh, an institution for, it's not very realistic. It's it's one part corrective surgery, one part mental institution. <laughs> um, the doctor specializes in what was it child corrective surgery for impairments. But anyways, we're in some sort of institution, and there's a woman filming herself. She's talking about the villain of the movie, Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. Now she says that Gabriel is getting stronger, and as she's telling us that, Gabriel. An emergency occurs, right? Gabriel breaks out. And we see very quickly that he's not just strong. He has some sort of psychic powers, I guess, has control over electricity, which is never really explained in the movie, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> anything electric, he has some influence over, so he can make lights flash on and off. Uh, and he's going around killing the staff. Yay. And I like this setup because... Um, there's a lot that's shown us, like we, if you're paying attention, you get a lot of uh, hints. Like we see that Gabriel is a little kid, or we think Gabriel is a little kid because we just see someone's feet, small legs being dragged. Um, they eventually do get Gabriel sedated, and we go to surgery with the quote that I started the movie with. It's time to cut out the cancer. Okay. Then we jump to present day. Um, not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but... It's kind of a pet peeve of mine now when you watch movies. It's always present day. Well, when we're watching this movie 20 years from now, it's not going to be present day. It's going to be 2020. <laughs> but um, anyway, small thing. But um, this movie takes place Easter. in Seattle. Hey, you guys are familiar with hey. Seattle. We yeah, live here. We live here. Yeah. Is, uh, does the movie remind you of Seattle at all? Anything look familiar? So I know that the actual house that they filmed them is actually in Oregon, I believe. So I looked it up, that that was like, oh my gosh, I'm here. We need to see it and check it out. So it's actually, I think, like in Oregon or California. It's California. But yeah. There are some like uh, views of the city that you get to see that we're like familiar with. And Pike Street makes a showing. Mm -hmm. And Space Needle too, right? I think is what I... Yes, yeah. I believe so. And they do the underground thing, which we haven't been to. Mm -hmm. But you get to be familiar. So like one of the, I think one of the cities that they're talking about was Beacon Hill. Where, um, yeah. And so that there's actually right next door to where we live. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's always nice when you see a movie and you recognize places that you've been. Yeah. Um, coming from Atlanta, you guys will also, we, we're all from Atlanta. And uh, I remember watching like The Walking Dead, a little bit of that and I would see streets that I walked down, you know, like, oh, I know that traffic light. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a movie that takes place in Seattle. Is it really that rainy in Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Right now, it's, it's, I guess, like, winter has maybe, like, a few more, <clears throat> maybe, like, a month, two months left. Uh, we're in February. So it does go for longer um 
it is still wet and cold currently. Yeah. We do have some sunshine some days. Oh, sun, sun, nice. <laughs> the sun so, does shine some days. The rain as much as it is the darkness and the fogginess. Mm. It rains like a reasonable amount, but it's really about how many days you don't see the sun. Yeah. And, uh, we did go, we do go two weeks without seeing the sun, uh, which is weird. They have often heard uh, the rise of grunge, grunge music attributed to the Seattle's weather just gets depressing after a while. You start writing sad music. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Yeah. See. We have great coffee here, though. Yeah, we yeah. It's the same way here at this time of the year. It's rainy, cloudy, and sometimes it gets super foggy. I'm on uh, the 11th floor, and sometimes it's hard to see the ground. It gets so foggy here. But anyways, uh, back to the movie. <laughs> so we're following Madison. Madison. Okay, so things start off pretty intense here for Madison. Um, first of all, she's pregnant, and her husband, his whole character is basically abusive asshole, right? That's pretty much all the character development he gets. Um, we, although I will say, even though he's very one-dimensional character some of his traits that are shown here are, i think somewhat realistic if you've known kind of abusive manipulative people um but we learn they get in a fight of course we learn during the fight that madison has had multiple miscarriages um and during the fight she shoves him or i'm sorry he shoves her and her head hits the uh wall really hard causing like a putting a hole in the wall and causing some bleeding so she locks her husband out of the bedroom and he falls asleep on the couch and he is woken up in the night by noises in the house. Uh, first, the blender turns itself on. Um, when you have ghosts or supernatural stuff, very basic things can become scary. The blender is scary. Next, the refrigerator is scary because it opens itself. Uh, and this part, this part starts to freak me out pretty good. Um, we briefly see the back of someone's head sitting on the sofa who shouldn't be there, of course, but then they vanish. And when he starts looking around, it appears behind him and kills him. Okay. Uh, this wakes up Madison, who goes downstairs to investigate. She finds her husband with his head twisted around. It was a pretty brutal effect, too. His, his yeah. neck's clearly broken. Um, whatever the thing is uh, appears and chases her, eventually knocking her down and unconscious. Okay. So this is the opening of the movie. Anything to say about this kind of opening scene set in present day? So I like the play of, you know, like as if the house is haunted or somebody's messing with him. That's always creepy to me. Like open cupboards in a house is like creepy, especially if you're the only one there. Um, but it did a good job of like creeping me out. Yeah, I, it is definitely creepy. Um, uh, and, you deserved it. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the scenes with the husband are really kind of jarring for modern movies, I think. It's not like a, a gore kind of thing, although there's a little bit of blood. Him uh, hitting her um, in that way when she's pregnant uh, was really... Uh, it was really horrifying to see uh, as a, as a one thing, and then like the kind of rawness of his like response 
was just two steps too close to things that I know and have seen and am aware of. It was like, you yeah, know, it felt like it needed a trigger warning itself. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty raw. And then, uh, yeah, the actual like horror shots themselves are uh, when the figure disappears, and then when we see the husband, they're horrific. I mean, they're both really you're uh yeah they're creepy they're disconcerting they, it's done it's done really well yeah i'm with so this this part to me is scary the opening part is scary and i think the first 30 45 minutes of this movie are really scary around the 45 minutes hour mark is when the tone starts to change we'll talk about that later but i think the opening of this movie is really creepy because kind of like what Mia said, this this is the stuff that scares me, like some supernatural force invading your home. You know, your home is supposed to be the one place where you're safe. That always freaks me out. Ghosts and um, hauntings, that, that's the stuff that really gets to me. So yeah, the opening of this movie freaks me out. <laughs> but it feels kind of like we're in a ghost story. Like here, it's kind of like the ring or the grudge. You're in the house, there's something spooky in the house um it has long black hair you know <laughs> it appears at random and kills you so it it definitely felt like when i was watching it i was like okay this is really scary but it's also kind of we've seen this before right um but like like we said the movie does start to go in a different direction but uh so i think the, some of what makes this so creepy is the thing i mean it's gabriel we know it's gabriel that makes sense it's not a big surprise um we don't know how or why, but the way he moves is so weird. And we'll talk about more about how he moves. But at this point in the movie, you're just seeing like something about the way it moves is just not right. <laughs> so that freaks you out. Herky jerky. Herky jerky. Yeah. Herky jerky. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so Madison wakes up in uh, the hospital to find that she's had another miscarriage. Uh, despite despite the fact that her husband was just murdered and she was attacked by a monster that she saw, she decides to go back home and stay there alone. Okay, there's always <laughs> a couple of dumb decisions, but uh, there's another great freaky scene. Uh, do you guys remember the streetlight thing? Oh yeah, there was like someone out there and then they were just gone. Yeah. She, uh, the streetlights start flickering across the road. And there's some, I love streetlights that create great um, lighting and atmosphere. I think they're under, underutilized, like in The Exorcist, too. There's a great shot. But um, yeah, they start flickering, they go off, and then you just see like this dark figure walking towards the house. <laughs> okay. And here I've got to say again, um, maybe a dumb decision to stay at home alone. But the first thing she does is run downstairs and lock the door. <laughs> So you're telling me after a home invasion where she's attacked and her husband gets murdered, she's staying at home alone and doesn't lock the door at night? Okay, sorry. Little things like that can take me out of the movie sometimes. <laughs> uh, but then nothing more happens that night. Okay, and we basically learn through her dialogue that she has a history of um, mental illness or at least hallucinations. You know, she's kind of talking to herself like, okay, this has happened before. It's all in your head. It's not real. Um and then we meet her sister. Okay, her sister's name is Sydney. I think it's only said like once or twice in the movie. So we can try to remember Sydney, Sydney the sister. Uh, 
Now they have an emotional discussion, and this movie throws a lot at you really quickly. Um, Madison reveals, I'm not really your sister, I'm adopted. My real mom died in childbirth, and I have no memories of before getting adopted when I was like eight years old. So keeping up, everybody, there's a lot coming at you here. And, um, oh, we go to the underground tour of Seattle. So first off, have you guys, this is a real tour, right? You can actually go, and everything they say is true about Seattle. I didn't know all that. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I'm not I think I believe I'll have to check on the whether it's true, but I believe there is a former city. Yeah, I looked into it just a little bit. Um, there is an underground tour and there was a big 25 block uh, fire that consumed uh, Seattle that they built on top of. So that part, all that seems to be true. And the way that the person tells it in the the, the nice woman uh, that that tells the as the tour guide um, I, I, what she says is is apparently accurate so you guys haven't had a haven't been on a tour like that yet mm-hmm. not yet we were going to while well, our friend faith was here but we didn't get a chance to but mm-hmm. we will hopefully I, now, we sometimes when we're walking down and by pioneer square because that's where they're located mm-hmm. Um, we'll see, we'll see the tour come by and they're pointing out all the stuff. And so. Awesome. Well, if I ever get up there, we'll have to go do that one day. It'd be really cool, especially after watching this movie, Mm -hmm. see the the tour. Uh, Come visit. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't really leave the country. Well, I can leave the country. Can't, might be hard to get back in right now, but (laughs) anyways, um, yeah, so we're doing an, we just, it feels kind of random. We just cut to an underground tour. Uh, they're walking around old Seattle that's buried underneath modern Seattle. Uh, so when the tour is over, this woman is basically alone by herself underground. Uh, and she starts hearing noises and the passageway, the lights down the passageway shut off. And of course, again, little dumb moments okay just leave just leave just leave but no hey who's that you can't be you can't be here right now um but something leaps off the ceiling and grabs her and then very quickly we see that she's chained up in an old attic somewhere um and the music i think it plays right here do you guys do you did you recognize the song that plays a few times throughout this movie Hmm. no um that's where is my mind by the pixies um it was also at the end of fight club yeah if you watch the end of fight club it plays the same music and uh yeah it's a beautiful song good band so uh it has a lot to um i think the atmosphere of this movie whenever they use it they use the song very well which is cool um so the woman's chained up in the attic we don't know why we don't know where but we see gabriel um has her and all we kind of see is the, his back right he speaks to her through a radio which is a great creepy idea now i have to say um i think his voice is a lot creepier than the uh the one in new year's evil <laughs> oh my goodness yeah my name is evil <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> great effects work on the, the the sound design here is really cool i think so um 
My name is Evil. <laughs> we did New Year's Evil. What was that two episodes ago? Go back and uh, listen to that video. Uh, that episode. Go watch the movie too. It's so bad and so uh, awesome at the same time. <laughs> I kind of like the movie. It's fun. But uh, all right. So Gabriel's got somebody, and uh, it's kind of different here. We've got uh, basically just kidnap somebody. We're not just committing murder. So there's a little more going on than just your typical vengeful ghost. Um, now, this is pissed. This is an angry ghost. Yeah. Next, we're going to go to ah, it's Gabriel. Um, calls the doctor, the lady doctor from the beginning of the film. Uh, Mia, do you want to tell us about this scene here with him calling her? Sure. So he calls the doctor and quoting back to her, it's time to cut the cancer. So we are now in Madison's house and lights are flickering and something runs by the bottom of her steps. Madison is trying to convince herself that she's just hallucinating, but then she sees the doctor in her house. Her house transforms around her and she is now the doc in the doctor's mm -hmm. house and witnesses Gabriel murdering the doctor. Yeah. So which I think he he kills her with like a trophy, doesn't he? Yeah, just to kind of add a little more. I don't know if this is irony or not, but uh, he gets one of her, she has trophies. I guess you get trophies for being a, sur a surgeon. <laughs> Good job. But uh, he takes one from her. <laughs> that is, he gets a trophy from her and uses the, tro the trophies kind of like sharp and pointed and he uses it to stab her to death. And then that becomes his main weapon throughout the movie is the doctor's surgery trophy. <laughs> This thing reminds me a little bit of V for Vendetta for some reason, and the way in which the doctors treated uh, treated V, and it was like the anyways. This reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah, I can kind of see it, kind of a masked vigilante with a dark past. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, all right. So, what did you think about this scene the first time you saw it, Mia? What did you think was going on here? So I. What I thought it was really interesting because it feels like she's sort of sleeping, hallucinating, dreaming, but everything is changing around her. Like if she was sort of like, like uh, transported to the doctor's house or watching it as like, you know, like they say, like if I were a fly on the wall or whatever, she's watching this happen. It's like, she's almost there. Mm -hmm. So I want to know at this point in the movie, well, you're the kind you usually look up spoilers, but did you know much about the twist uh, when you first saw this movie, or did you go into it kind of blind? No, I think no, no, I did not. I did not because so, I remember being like, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think was going on at this point in the movie, or did you just have no idea what you were seeing? Uh, so. No, I just had no idea. Just like she was watching. No, I had no idea. I couldn't figure it out. It's like she was being tra uh, transported somewhere else, but how? I have no idea. I thought at, at this point it seemed kind of like um, paranormal. Yeah. Kind of sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, when I first, I mean, there's some things you know pretty, you know from the beginning that, okay, this is, this is, the girl from the beginning of the movie 
she had something attached to her, obviously, that was removed. So how is this thing come back? That's what I'm thinking. It's somehow come back. Um, so, but anyway, so she's, she's having some sort of, she's having visions, at least. We don't know, you know, how she gets to see these things, but she's seeing uh, Gabriel murder people. Now, then it happens again. It happens like three or four times, but uh, we get, uh, she sees the murder of another doctor from the hospital. So, okay, Gabriel's killing doctors. Um, and this time we get a, a slight view of Gabriel's face. And it's one thing that I think the movie does really well is it's only very slowly reveals Gabriel to us. And each time you see more, it's still scary. So, um they kind of keep that going for a long time. Um, okay, so we should stop here and mention that there are police in this movie, right? We have uh, two main ones, a man, okay, his name is Detective Shaw, and a lady whose name is Detective Moss. Uh, anything to say about these characters? Did you like them? <laughs> I did. I thought they had good, like, cop banter. <laughs> good cop banter. It can't banter. Well, yeah, and like Moss is giving Shaw a hard time because Sydney is attractive, and there's like a little bit of like you're only listening to them because she's good looking, and uh, uh, which is kind of great. And then they have their uh, they have their scene. I mean, the scene in the police department when Gabriel is doing his thing. Um, they get they get they get that scene, which is pretty great. Um, so. Yeah. yeah, they uh, yeah I think they they do decent they're decent characters I mean not great but they're not uh, usually cops in horror movies are completely incompetent you know <laughs> they're just there to be oh nobody believes us uh, and they're kind of like that here but uh, at least Shaw is realizes something weird is going on and he's working really hard to solve the case um, but yeah just remember we have two detectives there detective shaw and detective moss who are investigating the murders because you know the movie starts off with the murder right um so madison and sydney madison's told sydney what she's experiencing you know she's having visions of these murders as they happen um and so they go talk to the police <laughs> uh I, I always hope nothing really supernatural happens to me because it would suck so bad if you need to talk to the police knowing they're not going to believe you, you know? <laughs> um, and of course, they don't believe her. We, we don't believe that you're having psychic visions or whatever of this murderer. But she says, okay, well, this is the apartment where he's at. And I even know what floor he's on. So you go check. And all right, we'll go check. And sure enough, they do find the doctor's body. So when the... When the police are talking to them later, like, okay, so how did you know what was going on here? Uh, Madison goes to the bathroom, and there's a cool scene where she actually gets a call from Gabriel. <laughs> she gets a phone call yeah. from him, yeah. uh, which sounds silly, but it works really well in the movie. You know, her phone <laughs> rings and she answers it, and it's him. <laughs> um, what does he do? So, first off, he calls her Emily instead of Madison. Uh, and tells her she's like who are you what is this what's going on and he's like you know who i am 
even if the doctors told you I was just in your imagination. Um, and she's like, no, I don't. But then he says he's going to kill more people, and she shouts out, no, Gabriel, which, of course, we don't know his name yet. So revealing that at least on some part of in her brain, she knows him or did know him, right? Uh, and I, I like Gabriel's sort of like, a, I don't know, an angry goth kid. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so different and everyone hates me. So I'm going to make the world suffer and mess with everybody. <laughs> even kind of, He's even kind of dressed like it. But, uh, uh, oh, time to go see mom. Okay. So we go see Sydney and uh, Madison's mother. And at first she isn't very helpful, but uh, she says, look, I don't know anything about you before you were adopted. All they told us was that your mother died in childbirth um but when madison asks her who gabriel is she shows them an old home video uh justin you want to talk about the the video here and what do we learn about um gabriel yeah do you remember um well it's creepy it's creep the videos are creepy as fuck uh yeah. just i mean just so we you know highlight the theme that i found this movie creepy um <laughs> yeah, there's a couple different ones. I guess there's two different videos. Uh, one is, is um, when she's like sitting by a cake, and one is when she's opening Christmas presents. Um, this and, is the one with the birthday or Christmas presents. Yeah. And so. Um, She's like talking to Gabriel as part of like what's going on, telling him to stop and uh, basically leave her alone. And it turns out that um, Gabriel is her imaginary friend uh, and that's all they can really make sense of at the time. And he's, there are some, it's here too. Is it here too where the, um, their mom is, is pregnant and Gabriel. that comes up a little later a little yeah, later yeah so um yeah so she's just seeing these old, old the old, old videos of her and it's when um she's little and she's talking to gabriel and they just assume he's kind of an imaginary friend yeah and they're even kind of getting angry at her you know it's the typical yeah. oh i didn't do it it was my imaginary friend hey we've told you stop lying there's no gabriel uh <laughs> you know but uh, so you feel a little sorry for, and it is creepy. It's kind of, you know, the found footage style, which um, I really like found footage movies, at least when they're done right. I think they're very creepy. Um, so I like they incorporate this here without having it to be confined into that, you know, the whole movie. Um, but basically all we know is, okay, as a kid, she had what we thought was an imaginary friend, or she's talking to someone who's not there, but she definitely believes it's there. Now, Meanwhile, Detective Shaw learns the name of another doctor uh, because he's good at his job, <laughs> and he learns another doctor from the institution. He's like, okay, this guy is killing doctors, so we got to go find the next doctor, and he rushes there. Of course, he's too late. Gabriel has already murdered him, and to make it worse, Gabriel is still there, and he attacks Detective Shaw, but... Uh, the detective manages to shoot him, so Gabriel runs away, which leads to a chase through the city. Uh, a couple things I want to say here. One, we're seeing uh, why Gabriel 
a little bit more of why he moves in such a natural way. It kind of looks like, I don't know, what did you guys first think? It's explained later, but what did you think at this point about the way he moves? Very weird. It's uh, just weird. Very weird, very jangly. Very, yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Gabriel at this point looks like he's a ninja. <laughs> damn, <laughs> a gymnast in another life where he could yeah. just like do all these damn tricks. Yeah. And it has, I mean, herky jerky was what I used earlier, but it is, it's also like at an unnatural uh, angles and unnatural pace. So the pace and the jerkiness of it feeling like it was in reverse or sped up or something like that was what I remember. Yeah, uh, to me, it looked like all his joints were broken, but he's still able to walk on them. You know, everything's just bending in a weird, uncomfortable way. And I like you use the word jangly, uh, Mia. It, it kind of reminds me of the jangly man and scary stories to tell in the dark. We covered that one a while mm -hmm. back. You know, it just moves in that weird, unnatural way. So, but this is also where, as you mentioned, uh, the tone of the movie starts to change a little bit. We're kind of moving away from the ghost story into something different. Uh, and you get your first view of that here because as he runs away from the cop, he doesn't just run away. He like parkours down the side of the building, <laughs> like just leaping from place to place. And when I first saw that, I was like, what the hell? It's not even really scary. It's, it's kind of just funny and weird because suddenly this ghost is like leaping from ladder down the side of the side of the building. What did you guys think when you first saw that? Oh. Uh, did you laugh like me or? <laughs> yes. Uh, this movie has a lot of like really like funny moments, um, which like uh, there's like a point where the sister is like parking like right next to a cliff, and then you're just like why? <laughs> yeah. And then there's like when they draw, they're at the police station and they draw um, Gabriel, <laughs> and then yeah. there's like yeah, there's just they're just like parts of this movie that are, that I find generally just really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I think it's great. I love this sort of like over the top zaniness. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not. So either they did a really good job or they failed. I'm not sure. But either way, it's entertaining. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it starts off really scary and then Gabriel becomes, well, I think Gabriel's still scary throughout the rest of the movie. But then he becomes more like, um, you know, he reminds parts, what's coming in this movie, it starts to remind me of Kill Bill. You guys remember Kill Bill? Did you see that movie with Uma Thurman, the Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah, he becomes sort of like a ninja, you know, like he's Bruce Lee or something. But okay, so it's that resolution we get later. I mean, it doesn't yeah. make any sense that he's a ninja. Yeah, it also reminds me of. So I grew up. My dad was like a big Jackie Chan film, uh, um, fan, mm. and it reminds me a lot of like the Jackie Chan like moves when he's like, oh. you know, that are just like. <laughs> Where just like he's doing like these crazy balancing acts, balancing on like some kind of like bamboo sticks or like a bus, yeah. or, like you know, just that's what it reminds me. Yeah, he becomes like a ninja, and no, it doesn't make any sense. But from this part here on out, don't don't try and make too much sense of things. Just have fun, okay? <laughs> uh, but uh, we still have some more creepy stuff. Uh, okay, so the chase back to the plot. The chase leads deep under the streets and buildings of Seattle. 
where Detective Shaw eventually uh, is attacked again, but survives. Um, he's attacked by Gabriel, but he survives. Now, I just want to point out there's a great shot here that I love when we're underground and we're wondering where Gabriel is. And it cuts to a shot from up above, and Gabriel is laying on top of that carriage, waiting to jump down. Do you remember that, that shot? Yes. Yeah, I thought that was great and creepy because this is the first time we get kind of a decent look at his face and you just he's just there suddenly in your camera and you're like oh my god what is that <laughs> um yeah. there's 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 some good moments in this film yeah uh, sure. i'm not sure given what happens later why the detective is able to survive gabriel um and why <laughs> i guess gabriel just gets stronger that's that's what we're supposed to go with, but it does seem a little strange. But uh, yeah, Cobb should be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he should, should be, be dead. dead. But uh, so okay, so now the detective knows he's dealing with something strange, right? So he goes and talks to Madison, tells her everything he's um, everything he's figured out in his research, and he convinces her to talk to a hypnotherapist who works on unlocking repressed memories okay so you know something about this guy we need you to remember <laughs> so we see one of madison's memories as a child ah here it is oh yeah and justin ah, since you wanted to tell us about it earlier we go okay so we go into madison's memories and this is the birthday the cake one justin you want to tell us about it it's disturbing yeah yeah it's disturbing i mean uh, basically, her imaginary friend Gabriel is talking, uh, has like, I guess, convinced her to go into the room with a knife, but she kind of thinks she's cutting a cake and she's actually then standing in front of her mother. Um, yeah. And it like, it's like this sense of like, oh shit, she doesn't know what she's doing kind of, kind of moment. Mm-hmm. yeah she's um gabriel tells her i got a surprise for you and she goes in gets a knife and she's like that's your birthday cake go ahead cut up a slice of your birthday cake <laughs> and it cuts to and it's actually her adopted mother um who is very pregnant so gabriel's trying to get her to cut into her stomach yeah uh <laughs> it's really disturbing and there's always just something Without all the supernatural stuff, um, you know, just the scene of her standing there over her mom while she sleeps, while she's holding a knife. I can't think of it. There are very few things creepier than if you like woke up and saw someone standing there with a knife, especially a child. Not attacking you, just standing there looking at you. Um, that's His disturbing. over the radio are pretty fucking creepy. And like the ability to manipulate electricity, those things are pretty, pretty creepy too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a memory that is unlocked. Great job. No wonder she repressed that. Um, Maybe some memories should be repressed. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) we cut back to the woman tied up in the attic. Okay, remember her at the beginning of the movie? She disappears for a while. Um, She gets she manages to get free and falls down. But from the underground, right? The underground tour host. Yeah, this is the the underground tour host who was kind of kidnapped and tied up at the beginning of the movie. So uh, now she manages to get free while Gabriel's not there, but she falls through the ceiling 
of where she's at. Now, Mia, you want to give us uh, one of our mini twists here? Uh, where is she? And what a, where is she? She falls so, through the ceiling. She falls through the ceiling and she falls, I believe, in between the cops and Madison and her sister, Sydney. Because she yeah. falls right into Madison's living room. Yeah, so this whole time she has been in Madison's attic. Okay. Um, now, what else do they find there? They don't just find her. They also find um, the Gabriel's jacket, his fancy little gloves that he likes to use, and the murder weapon. Yeah. So it's like, okay, um, there's a missing woman who was tied up in your attic, and you have the killer's clothes and his weapon. So you're under arrest, <laughs> which makes perfect sense, right? Uh, Even the so, cops, maybe can figure that one out. Yeah. I kind of like that twist. Like, oh, she was up in Madison's attic the whole time. It makes sense. Um, now, but before you start thinking, at this point in the movie, you could think that Madison is, maybe she's just crazy. Um, if you were paying attention at the beginning of the movie, no, but you could think that, oh, she's the killer and she just has like a dual personality or something. But uh, when she's being investigated by the detectives, the lights explode. And then Gabriel calls the detectives on the phone and talks to him on speakerphone, which sounds silly when I say it out loud, but it's a pretty creepy little scene, you know, hearing, uh, especially because, you know, Madison is sitting right there. You know, this can't be a trick. They're looking at her while they're talking to him. <laughs> um, all right, we're getting close to, we're about two thirds of the movie through, but now things start happening really fast. So uh, Madison is placed in a holding cell with several other very rough looking women. Um, <laughs> rough. That's very polite. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I also love that there's like one lady that wears is like wearing 70s attire. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it. Like Foxy Brown or something. Yeah, yeah she looks like she walked off the set of a black exploitation movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> for some reason. Um, so yeah, good luck. Good luck in there. Uh, but now here's here's where part of why this movie kind of reminds me of the ring it's like okay time to go to the institution where you were as a kid and investigate what happened uh so sydney goes there and she finds she finds a vhs tape and we have another big reveal uh justin i'll let you take this one who is the woman in the attic so it's her mother her like biological mother she's not dead um she had given her up um for <laughs> What turns out to be uh, probably pretty good reasons, if there was ever a, a, a decent reason to give up a child. So they, um, this is really creepy. I don't know that I'm gonna be able to do it justice either, but we basically learned that Gabriel is uh, like a twin parent. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, come on, quit. Oh, that's gross, Mia. You can't <laughs> yeah, but she's Mia gonna... is imitating Gabriel uh, in the background. Oh, oh, oh. his little oh, arms. Uh, uh, so don't go. <laughs> okay, so we're watching another tape. And what does uh, the tape show? Come us? on, come on, get out of me. Ah, come on, Gabriel. Stop. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, 
the the basics are that Gabriel is a parasitic twin that like took a physical manifestation and when the doctor was talking about cut out the cancer they were trying to cut out Gabriel and they like really reduced Gabriel's physical presence to very very uh very small amount like whatever could fit inside of her head but he was still there as like a personality and as like a domineering force and uh because they're so like connected they weren't able to like excise the personality even though maybe this fucking chicken arm things in the wrong <laughs> direction and so i you know i guess this ends up with him turning to to madison's body uh to rely on it for locomotion but it also seems like maybe he was dormant um until that fucking horrible boyfriend was like beating beating her yeah um Uh, he had gone away but anyways i think i'm gonna be going too far yeah so this is where i mean i i was enjoying the movie at this point but this was where i was like just giddy I was giddy because uh, I'm like, yay, look at the little monster on the back of her head. Oh, and it has arms and legs. And uh, I just loved it. And uh, because you've known like, OK, so Gabriel was I mean, it says from the beginning of the movie, we go into surgery. So this is something that's growing on her, probably a twin or something like that. But when you actually get to see it and it's like screaming and it has powers over electricity, uh, great stuff um so and again it's all done in that sort of found footage style where it's just them recording in the institution i love it but um yeah like you said they try to okay we're done with this thing it's getting too dangerous we can't completely remove it um because they have a connection deep deep inside the brain so we'll take out everything we can without killing her basically and it works for about 20 years or so um well, almost 30 years, but uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I just want to emphasize again how much I love the parasitic parasitic twin growing out of the back of her body. It's really cool, <laughs> um, but um, okay, now, if things haven't gotten weird enough for you yet, it's time to go full crazy, okay? You thought maybe that was the weirdest highlight of the movie, and in most movies, that would be the, the weirdest part, but the older women, um, I'm sorry, the other women in the cell with Madison start harassing her because, of course, they do. This leads, leads, leads to them just assaulting her brutally, okay? Um, and we get to see this triggers her. Well, Mia, you want to take it from here? This is one of the most famous parts of the whole movie, what happens next in the jail cell. I do. It's one of my probably favorite parts yeah, of scene the jail scene is amazing one of the most amazing things i've seen in a while Uh, so she rips the back of her head open and (laughs) revealing gabriel's face pushing through the back of her head (laughs) Uh, i'm making the motions right now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and we learn gabriel moves and why he moves in such a weird way he reverse reverses her joints and runs around backwards right (laughs) and then gabriel starts just basically slaughtering all the prisoners in so many different ways. He breaks out and continues to massacre the entire police station. And during this time, Madison begins to realize she's under his control. Because you see a glimpse of her and she's just hate. She fit, she thinks she is still in the cell with everybody just waiting. Yeah. It's just her hallucinating. 
Yeah, so one thing we've learned is that Gabriel can, um, when he takes control, he makes her believe she's just doing normal things, right? So she doesn't realize anything's wrong. Um, but there's a point during while this is all happening that she's starting to catch on. Okay, wait a second. I'm not in control. Something's different here. Gabriel must be in control. But yeah, I, I don't know. They just can't say enough about this this scene. It just goes completely over insane. Um, what I think someone's head gets stomped on, bones get pulled out of the body. I think eyes get gouged. Just Gabriel just goes nuts. And it's all done in this super like ninja way, like kill Bill or the matrix, you know, <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on? Uh, so over the top. I, I thought it was I great. <laughs> I really every does. Minute of it. When he started doing his little disconjointing thing, I was yeah. like, Oh my God, what am I watching? It's so cool. Yeah, and if you haven't figured it out by now, there's get, he's still there and he's sharing her body. So the whole movie, it's actually been her, but it's just when Gabriel takes over, kind of a fight club, hey, more fight club references, thanks. But yeah, when he takes over, he grabs the back of her skull and pulls it open, pushing his weird little fetus face out. And... um breaks all of her bones backwards so he can move her he's her but she moving backwards right so that's why he moves so weird uh great stuff and the whole time her face is still there on the backside, just completely blank you know uh justin what did you think about this scene when you first saw it creepy as fuck man this movie's creepy um I think the the gore isn't really as unsettling to me because I mean for listeners we have seen some some gore yeah but it's the like something like controlling your mind and ripping itself out of the back of your brain and it's a little mini skeletor version yeah but the opposite sex controlling you is just it's just terrifying <laughs> We do a good job of like it's not ever explained why but gabriel has like these superhuman powers their body together has superhuman powers we don't know why but um the way in which that's executed on the screen is is really creepy i think i mean i i really like the scene yeah that's why i said you just kind of have to let some things go uh like you can accept okay there's a dual personality because of a uh a parasitic twin or a conjoined twin something like that but it makes no sense at all why Gabriel has supernatural powers or why her body becomes super strong, why she becomes a ninja, uh, why she heals from this every time. Yeah, why her joints know. return back to normal. Like, <laughs> yeah, none of that makes any sense at all. Mm. Um, it made me think of like, was then what was he like? What was attacking her at the beginning? Right. Julie? So I yeah yeah I mean some of it is open to discussion but um i think a lot i read that that's supposed to symbolize gabriel breaking out you know like um um yeah or maybe some of it is yeah yeah th there's stuff that's not fully explained for sure but it's a lot of fun along the way i don't care i take it, I like <laughs> it. yeah again i just <laughs> 
<laughs> when this scene happens, you kind of know, like, oh boy, he's transforming inside a cell. Things are getting crazy. I was surprised at just how far they went with it, uh, with him just slaughtering everybody. And then when you think he's done, he breaks out and slaughters all the cops too. And there's a shootout, and he's dodging bullets and killing all the cops. Um, and in the end, there's only our two main detectives are the only ones still alive. Uh, there's another third cop that I just kind of skipped over. She's mostly there for comic relief and doesn't come to too much. But um, anyways, Detective Moss gets slit in the stomach. So she's not going anywhere. Um, but um, so Detective Shaw goes to the hospital uh, where Madison's mother is. They know, okay, he's going to be going for her next, right? Um, Sydney, Madison's sister, has also gone to the hospital and... She's very quickly attacked by Gabriel. Now, um, there's some weird stuff that happens there at the ending. Gabriel's mother almost stops him by giving this little emotional speech about how she's sorry and she shouldn't have abandoned him and everything. Um, but then the detective Shaw comes in and shoots him, which sends him back into a rage. So he kills Sydney and his mother. But then, uh, yeah, at this point in the movie, I think maybe they just did some speed or something and just started writing because he goes all over the place. He kills Sydney, he kills his mother, but then Madison finds new strength within herself. There's this weird scene that takes place inside of her mind where she confronts Gabriel and literally imprisons him. <laughs> um, and we also see that she is taken over. So that ending we saw. Uh, back up a little bit the ending didn't actually happen she was making him hallucinate now and he hasn't actually killed his mom or uh, his mother yet so gabriel's in prison he says one day i'll get out madison hugs her sister <laughs> i love you and that's the end of the movie <laughs> okay what did you think about this whole ending scene where gabriel comes to the hospital The, and all the twists and turns. Uh, I really like, I like that it was a, there was a twist that it wasn't really Gabriel at, you know, uh, I mean, there are some things that you can judge, like how did she quickly was able to do that when she came during the whole time? But, you know, I'm not going to pick that in because I loved it and I enjoyed the ending. Um, there are some things to be, you know, discussed, but I enjoyed it. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah it's a lot um <laughs> they do keep they do keep messing with the audience all the way up until the end and uh that's okay marvel does that you can do that and do that well um it is a little annoying and it's thrown at you in some ways that are yeah i guess just annoying um but it all it's it's a cool little twist at the end I mean, I didn't see the parasitic twin coming. I thought she was just losing it, you know, kind of like splitting in her own mind. And this ending fits well with that, right? I mean, she's able to kind of go in psychologically and control her demons through manipulating the demons and the audience. I mean, it's it's okay. I'm okay with it. And I like that, you know, there's no need for Sydney to die. She was just being helpful the whole time. She didn't need to die. And the mother, well, 
she doesn't deserve to die for being a horrible mother. I mean, you know. Well, and really the okay, let's let's in defense of the mother a little bit. Uh, we kind of skipped over some of what we learned about her. She was 15, um, mm-hmm. and she was raped, and her mother was telling her it was an abomination and wouldn't help her raise the child. So I don't think it's too much that uh, you know she gave up the kid. <laughs> But, uh, you know, this, of course, basically Gabriel's whole complex is he feels abandoned and he's jealous. You know, he was abandoned by his mother. And he was kind of abandoned by Madison, too. That's why he wanted Madison to kill Sydney before she was born, because she wanted he wanted her uh, to only depend on Gabriel. Right. I'm your only friend. I am important here. Um but uh, yeah, I think the ending, it does happen kind of suddenly. It took me out of the movie a little bit that like, uh, I'm in control now. Okay, that came out of nowhere. Maybe if they had built that up a little bit more throughout the movie, um, but everything's happening so fast and we only really find out what's, it's like we find out what's going on and then she finds the power to stop it and then the movie's over, you know? Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. So it's it's a lot going on, but I I enjoyed the movie. I think there's there's definitely some things where you can't think too much, but I was really happy to see such a big Hollywood film go this crazy, you know, and take so many risks. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't really work out for them because the movie didn't make money. It actually lost a couple million dollars, which makes me really sad. I really wish this movie had been a huge success, and we got all kinds of crazy stuff after this. Um, but I'm glad that it at least got made, you know, uh, props to James Wan for using his, um, you know, his, his kind of throwing his weight around and getting something different done instead of just making more and more of the same stuff, you know? So I saw these numbers and the way that I saw them reported were box office numbers. And this was at the end of last year, right? It was, and it was also released on HBO max at the same time. Mm. Does that. Do they have any way of counting that for movies during the pandemic that are like uh, co-released as streaming services? Because I feel like it only made like 30 million or something in box office, but this had a larger cultural kind of influence, I felt like, than the, I mean, it was like really pushed on some of the streaming services. and Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to give everybody some explanation there, this movie was supposed to come out in theaters earlier, but then the pandemic hit. And so later on, it still got released in theaters in the hype, you know, during the middle of everything. But it also got released, I think, simultaneously online streaming. We watched it. I mean, I believe it was. So it, it so I believe it gets uh, released first on streaming for like 30 days. And then if you don't watch it within that 30 day window on HBO, then you have to wait um, I can't remember if it's like a month or 45 days and then you can rent it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope you're right, Justin, and that was taken into consideration. I'd be interested to know, I mean, you can look it up. I just didn't yet. Um, how many people streamed, how many people signed up for an HBO account to watch it because um, I'm sure that was a significant amount. This movie did get a lot of discussion, uh, but I wish it had been like just a huge success you know but uh it's really good and it's really creepy and yeah 
I like to see when someone that can be creative and a good director can get to play with stuff that they normally would be like, nah, that's too crazy for your general audience. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, it's not, we don't want to do that. We want to play it safe. And I think James Wan created something pretty amazing with this movie. And I liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I like that it is kind of like a, you know, we talked about Basket Case. It is kind of like an 80s exploitation film just done with a huge budget, you know? Uh, uh, there, there's so much in this movie that I would not have expected to see in a modern Hollywood horror film, and it just keeps giving more and more, and I really like this movie. I think we, we've already discussed pretty much the flaws, um, but it's really fun, and especially if you don't know what's coming, like if you go into this movie just thinking, Okay, so if you could look up the plot line, it just says a woman has visions of murder and realizes they're horribly real or something like that. Well, that tells you nothing about this movie, and <laughs> you're going to be really surprised with the directions that it goes. So I think it's fun. Um, all right, anything else to say about Malignant? Did we cover it all? I think we mostly covered it all. There are some funny humorous parts that I really enjoy because I don't think, I think the movie doesn't take itself too seriously too as well. Like when um, when Gabriel throws the chair at the two cops, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really hilarious. And just, I think it's just, the movie's a lot of fun and I highly recommend everybody to check it out. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of the movie, it actually kind of tells you the whole thing. Like you're yeah. intention. So for me, most of the twists weren't that much of a surprise. Uh, two reasons. One, I was paying pretty close attention during that first scene. Um, so, and also someone had said, oh, this movie is kind of like Basket Case. So I knew, oh, okay, there's, there's obviously a, a, some sort of deformed twin that gets separated or something. Um, but uh, yeah, the scene where she... Gabriel has two cops that survives and instead of just going over there and killing him, he just picks up a chair and throws it at him and knocks them down. Um, yeah. All right. So we recommend this one? <laughs> it sounds yeah, like uh, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what all you, all the people on the, uh, everybody was arguing about this movie for a while. I, I don't know what everybody was complaining about. It's fine. Um even watching it again, you know, the opening part of the movie is still really creepy, I think. Even knowing what's coming, it's creepy. Um, I like that it gets so crazy at the end. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The rabid weasel seal of approval. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, coming up next for um, know, our next episode will be episode number 40. And for episode number 40, we are going over 40 years into the past, 1980. Uh, this will be my pick, John Carpenter's The Fog. What? I haven't Just, seen it. You haven't? Really? I could have sworn I made you guys watch The Fog at some point. But yeah, John Carpenter's great. 80s Carpenter is great. The Fog is really good film. So, all right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Come back in next time, and uh, we'll talk about John Carpenter's The Fog. All right. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.